you know, we get asked all the time, who are your listeners? Who subscribes to your podcast? You know, how many do you have? So I thought you may be curious. We, at our peak month, which was uh, June of 2018, just last month as I'm recording this, we got 242,000 listens. So the podcast has been growing, doing really well. We're close to uh, approximately 600 podcasts that have been done. Not all by me, thank God, but many of them have been. I wanted to know something. Um, who are you, listeners? We, uh, from the data that we've seen, there's a lot of early adopters, uh, people that are you know anywhere from like 30 to uh, 55 that are interested in tech and all the new stuff that's coming out. But that may not be accurate. So I wanted to ask you, if you wouldn't mind, can you send an email to support at Future Tech Podcast? And let us know a little bit about yourself. You don't have to tell us your name or any of that stuff, but if you just let us know, why do you listen to the podcast? What do you get out of it? What some of your favorite episodes have been? And what do you want to see more of and hear more of in the podcast? And I'd love to accommodate you. And I'd love your feedback. So again, please send an email to support at futuretechpodcast.com. And thanks for listening. Welcome to Almost Here, Round the Corner of Future Technology Podcasts with Richard Jacobs. Future technologies poised to transform our lives for better or worse are the focus of this podcast. Almost Here means these technologies are now here and starting to be used or just around the corner from Bitcoin to artificial intelligence, 3D printing, blockchain, virtual reality, and more. This podcast is brought to you by FanChain. Introducing the first cryptocurrency for the global sports market. Learn more at fanchain.com. Hello, this is Richard Jacobs with the Future Tech Podcast. My guest today is Kenny Ewan. He's the founder and CEO of WeFarm. The website is wefarm.org. So, Kenny, how are you doing? I'm doing really well. Thanks for, for having me on. Yeah, tell me about WeFarm. What's the, the premise of the company? So we provide access to information to, to small-scale farmers, uh, mostly farmers that don't have any access to the Internet. Um, so many hundreds of millions of small-scale farms globally, mostly sub-Saharan Africa, that have uh, no access to the Internet. Hmm. Obviously a big information gap for them, um, but also a problem for the rest of the world, 70 80% of our global supply chain. Um, so at WeFarm, we, we allow farmers to ask a question on anything in any language, uh, even through SMS, and get them bespoke content back uh, for free. Well, if people don't have access to internet, does that mean through a laptop? Or, I mean, mobile phones are pretty prevalent now. Um, sure, the minimum so, requirements yeah, of a mobile phone, right? Yeah, so, yeah, I mean, we're, uh, we, we're talking mostly feature phones. Um, so a lot of people don't have access to a smartphone that, you know, has data access and, and access to Google or Wikipedia. Um, so even through an, an old school Nokia feature phone, we can, we can provide you content on anything that you need. Oh, so what's, what's an example? What does it look like? Uh, so, I mean, a farmer can ask us literally anything. A lot of our questions are around crop diseases or chickens or cows that are sick or, you know, not giving milk. Or farmers who want to try planting a new crop and, um, you know, don't, don't know where to start, maybe. Uh, so they send us a question um, on what's happening on their farm. Uh, we use machine learning to, to try and understand uh, what that farmer is asking us, you know, where they are, uh, all of the context that we can. Uh, and we use that analysis to match them up to uh, four or five people in our entire network that, that we think can answer that one individual question. Uh, and we always try to get two bespoke answers back to the original farmer. Well, how does it work? Do they text the question to a certain short code or how does it happen? 
Exactly. So most of our farmers uh, access the service through SMS. Uh, so they uh, they access a, a send an SMS to a, a local short code in, in whatever country they're in, um, which we zero rate for free, uh, and uh, we we contact them back through through that number. So what's an example of a question and an answer that you've gotten recently? Oh, I mean, we're dealing with uh, about 15,000 a day. Um, but wow. I, mean, I can give you one example that, uh, uh, you know, we had a, f- a farmer uh, in rural Kenya. who He was a chicken farmer. He had a, you know, I think he kept around 50 chickens. And, you know, his his flock was being affected by a disease that in the space of a couple of days, it had wiped out about half of his chickens. Oh. Um, he, he asked we farm about it he, he told us what the symptoms were we sent it to a couple of different people and managed to get him back the name of the likely disease and a medicine that he could buy locally to to, to protect the rest of his chickens which he did and he, he managed to save the, the rest of his chicken flock and, and keep himself in business so how, how do people find out about this do you for each country do you have billboards or something or how do you um, how do you do this uh, so, I mean, we, we use various different marketing channels. Uh, radio is a really big one for us. You know, we do a lot of content-driven radio. Um, we now have, well, as of this morning, we now have over 900,000 uh, farmers that are using our system. Wow. That's mostly in, in Kenya and Uganda. Uh, and we generally, well, on average, we have around 2,000 farmers joining every day. So you are right, so mostly radio. How do, you, what's the, how do you make money? I mean, they can ask the question for free, right? You said? Yeah, I mean, so I guess a harder business model is based, you know, similar to an online company, you know, like a, a Google or Facebook that allow you to, to access, uh, you know, information for free and look to monetize in different directions. Uh, we are a mission-driven company, so hopefully our, our business model is a lot more uh, aligned than, than maybe Facebook or Google. But, you know, essentially we look to monetize in two, two different ways. Uh, one is the data that comes from, from, you know, tens of thousands of interactions every day. Uh, so looking into to patterns in the agricultural supply chain, uh, disease patterns, ripening periods, drought, you know, things that are valuable to the multinationals, the governments that, that manage the supply chain. Uh, and the other side is, is also providing services and uh, products to farmers themselves. So, you know, a lot of the content we get from farmers is, is them looking to buy and sell things. You know, that's everything from looking to trade a cow or, you know, buy a cow from a farmer up the road, right through to taking, you know, a loan or insurance for their farm or, or buying fertilizer for the season. Uh, we help to connect them to, to, to good quality services and, and, you know, take a commission, obviously, from each each transaction that we process through the system. Uh, so effectively looking to build a marketplace on top of our, our platform. Huh. So what, what percentage of your farmers have uh, feature phones versus ones with data? Uh, so, I mean, the overwhelming majority is on feature phone at the moment. Uh, probably probably around 15% of the farmers will have a smartphone, uh, but actually most of those are still using it as a feature phone because data is very expensive. Mm. Uh, so we're probably seeing a very small minority, probably less than 5% that have you know regular access to, to, to regular internet. So how many back and forths are there on average when when someone asks a question and how long does it take to answer it on uh, average? So, yeah. So right now, I mean, we're on the average day processing something in, our, in the region of 15,000 questions and answers now. Um, and our, our median time to answer those questions is now around 13 minutes, uh, which yeah. with no internet and, and, and many languages that, that no one else is working in. We're, we're pretty proud of that. Um, but, uh, you know, obviously always trying to get better. That's amazing. How many back and forths, um, again, until you answer a question, typically, do they ask follow-up questions or? Yeah, I mean that's that's features that we're kind of regu- we're adding to the system as we grow. So you know we're now you know working on the opportunity for farmers to be able to get into to conversations as well as just ask questions. 
um, and I'll, I'll actually building peer-to-peer connections. So, you know, maybe your question's been answered by, by somebody up the road and you feel that they're really knowledgeable in a particular subject. So, you know, maybe you want to direct a, a follow-up question specifically to them, you know, starting to add that, that kind of functionality to, to the system and make it a richer experience than just a purely back-and-forth question and answer. Uh, although we always have to remember that, you know, when we're communicating largely through SMS, you know, we have to keep our products super simple, super elegant, because it's it's really hard to to explain complex functionality to, um, well, firstly, to, I guess, semi, semi-technology literate people, but also, um, also you know, purely through an SMS, it's very difficult to explain a, a complicated feature, which it, it keeps us very disciplined in the way we build product. I guess you could do it um, where you have a decision tree, you know, uh, someone asks a question. And you could say, all right, is the uh, are the chickens brown or white? You know, press one for brown, two for white, or three for other. I mean, you could do stuff like that, I guess. Have you had to develop your own style of communication to make this work? Yeah, sure, of course. And and, and largely, we we try to use machine learning as much as we can to kind of try to to mitigate the need to have the, you know that kind of level of back and forth. Uh, so a lot of what we're looking at it with our machine learning is identifying intent. And, you know, looking around the keywords to actually decipher what is the farmer, you know, trying to tell us and, and what is the likely disease or animal um, that this question is about, even if they're not specifically telling us. Um, so how can we infer, you know, maybe from this user's past questions, you know, maybe from other content in their question, you know, all of the things that we can try to identify from that, uh, which we're getting pretty pretty good at. A lot of our, you know, we've raised a couple of rounds of investment and a lot of the money we, we raise goes into to really building kind of sophisticated data science behind our product that that allows us to to be able to, you know, communicate with, with a lot of simplicity, but have a lot of rich functionality behind that. Well, and how many languages do you support with the machine learning or in general? Uh, so quite a lot. We're, we're, I mean, we're actually the, the only people in the world, I think, uh, developing uh, natural language processing and, and machine learning in a couple of different African languages, uh, such as Rulon Kali and Luganda in, in Uganda. Uh, so we support both of those languages. Uh, we also work in Swahili, uh, English, obviously, in, in East Africa. Um, the system works in French and Spanish, um, you know, looking at the, the future of where we might want to expand to. And, you know, over the next uh, 18 months to two years, we're, we're interested in adding a, a huge amount more uh, language functionality to the system. That's amazing. Huh. How did you get into this? How did you uh, decide that you wanted to do it? And what's the history in your background? Yeah, I mean, it's, I guess it's a long story. But uh, um, I mean, I, I trained originally as an, an engineer, as an architect. And um, when I graduated, you know, in Scotland, I, I took a job for an NGO in, in Latin America, uh, originally just for six months to help them out with building construction projects. And uh, loved it, and they offered me a, a kind of management position, and I, I ended up staying there for seven years. Oh. Uh, I worked a lot in the high Andes and the Amazon basin, mostly building water systems with indigenous communities, and you know really started to come at you know see things from from a different perspective. You know, I also I guess I came at a lot of the NGOs side of things from from an outside perspective, and you know honestly speaking, didn't always like a lot of what I saw. I, I find that over overall that the approach was pretty paternalistic and very top down, you know, just kind of telling poor people what to do uh, and really wanted to do something a lot more bottom up, a lot more building networks and communication and allowing people to talk to each other and kind of all, all sprang from there. And, um, you know, a few years later, here we are. Wow. Why did you, uh, did you, did you choose Africa or did it choose you in terms of the farmers and the (laughs) needs or I I don't mean like in a, a spiritual way. I mean, um, how did you identify where the farmers were that needed help, and how did you how did you choose? All right, we'll advertise here first. 
So, I mean, I was I, uh, after my time in, in Latin America, I was you know part of the Sardis team for a for a uh, social enterprise working in, in in based out of London, but working with small scale farmers, which is where we first created you know well the project that would become We Farm, and, and we actually piloted it with some groups farming groups that we were working with uh, in uh, Kenya and Tanzania. So we had the contacts on the ground. We were working with some small-scale coffee and tea cooperatives. So we were able to kind of work with them and and get feedback from their farmers for, you know, what was, at the time, it was just a really bootstrapped, um, you know, um, basic system that we were able to uh, test some of these concepts. Um, But, you know, it started to take off. At the time, Kenya was, you know, they were were really building the M-Pesa system there, which, you know, I'm sure you, you know is a kind of mobile money transfer system that works right. for SMS. So people were really starting to get into using SMS for other things. Um, so that allowed us to kind of, you know, almost piggyback on the back of that sort of trend and say, well, hey, wh- why don't we use SMS for another thing uh, and use it for agriculture? So you know, Kenya was was a really obvious first market for us, and and since then we've kind of basically try to try to build significant market penetration in East Africa before we get to you know spread too thin. But I think now something like 17, 18% of all, all the farms in East Africa are now using WeFarm. Um, wow. So, you know, obviously plans to, to start expanding out from there. That's really cool. So what are you learning from the data? I mean, that's not proprietary, but what, what interesting things are you learning that you never thought you'd know, that you never thought about? What surprises? Uh, I mean, we, we learn a lot of stuff every day. I mean, I think, I mean, what, what's really interesting about the data that comes out of WeFarm is it's, it's really the people's voice, you know, the aggregated voice of a, a lot of farmers. So, you know, some of the interesting things we're, we're doing is looking at, um, you know, scientific data such as weather reports and how that actually affects real people. So obviously you can look at satellite data or, you know, weather station information and, and see that it's hotter than normal or it's colder than normal or there's been a three-month drought or whatever it might be. Uh, and then how we can compare that to, to, to how people's messaging changes. So do people ask different questions when it's hot? Do they ask different questions when it's you know cold or rainy? Can we start to, to look at predicting those weather patterns and, and how they influence real people on the ground? So I think that's a lot of what we do is try to draw out you know the, the actual human element of this um, uh, and you know make that available to, to, to some of our partners. Uh, we're looking into how we can um, be early early warning systems, I guess, for disease trends. So if you think about something like food and mouth disease or, you know, animal or crop diseases that can spring up, you know, we can use machine learning and tens of thousands of, of messages to try and identify a spike in that within, well, hopefully within minutes or hours where, you know, in rural Kenya or Uganda, that might take weeks at the moment to come to light. Um, so, yeah, it's obviously got a, a big social value, but, you know, there's obviously a big commercial value in that as well in, in these value chains. Are you going to be doing any push notifications? Like in Kenya, let's say there's a, you know, a drought that's happening in the west part of the region and, you know, you have people in another part of the region and this will affect the prices they can get for their, you know, livestock or crops. Any any thoughts on doing, again, push notifications to unite the country um, information-wise, coordinate people? Yeah, no, I, exactly. I mean, I think, I think you know, I also want to make sure that our data model is available to, to the farmers themselves and not just to the industry. Um, so yeah, exactly that. Where we spot a trend in the disease, can we then alert the, the farmers within, you know, whatever it might be, a 20 mile radius or a 50 mile radius, to say, you know, where we think this might be happening. Here's like two or three things you can do to protect your farm. Um, you know, if, if we start to connect some of our data to the NGOs and governments that we're, you know, just starting to work with, you know, obviously they have a more of a footprint on the ground for us to be able to say, hey, you know, we think this is happening. 
here's what we see in the data. Maybe you guys can, can help us to do something about it. Uh, and also looking at how it can, can inform agricultural decisions. So, you know, for example, maybe a farmer is asking us a question about how to plant tomatoes or carrots or, or whatever they're interested in. You know, can we look at 10,000 other farmers in that region that are planting tomatoes or carrots and say, well, you know, what we see is a trend where there's no market for this or there's a high market or this doesn't do well on this soil type, you know, maybe try this other crop. You know, how do we use big data, um, you know, even for, for farmers that are offline to, to enable them to make better decisions? What about pricing? Uh, what if farmers report, oh, I just sold a chicken for, you know, uh, I don't know, a dollar or something. And other farmers that want to sell chicken can get pricing so they, they're not undercut. They can find out, you know, like I've heard in, uh, in a lot of third world countries that, you know, there's a lot of middlemen that will try to uh, beat down the prices of, of stuff from farmers, and maybe this would help equalize uh, pricing. No, absolutely. It's definitely something we're, we're, we're thinking about. I mean, um, you know, as you say, I mean, if you look at the average dollar of coffee, you know, bought in a U.S. supermarket, you know, probably one cent <laughs> of that is going to the original farmer. You know, probably in reality, only one cent of it is going to the supermarket as, as margin, and, you know, 98 cents in the middle is going to various value adders and middlemen and traders and, and the like. Um, I think one of the opportunities we farm has in the long term is to disrupt that entire uh, value chain. You know, at the point where tens of millions of, of farmers, you know, millions of coffee farmers are using WeFarm, we can help them to to get accurate pricing for their crop and to actually just directly sell it to to the people they want to sell it to. You know, have create a much more direct connection, and also the power of the WeFarm system maybe to aggregate that across tens of thousands of farmers. So you know, they're not having to negotiate that individually as a tiny small scale farmer. Um, you know, and as an aggregated voice, they would have a much bigger power in the marketplace. Yeah, I mean, you could could build consolidated blocks of of power to supply certain things, or you know, for a certain price. Yeah, I could see that in the near future. Huh. Yeah, definitely, and and also thinking it the other way around, I guess as well, where you know, almost the kind of Groupon model, where you know, we we can aggregate crop on behalf of the farmers, but we can also aggregate things that they may might want to purchase themselves. So. You know, where individually fertilizer or seeds or whatever they need as an input might be expensive. If we can say, well, hey, we have 10,000 farmers that all want to buy this fertilizer, you know, how about, you know, knocking 20% off the price? Uh, you know, that's also a way that we can provide value to the farmer on the other side as well. How much interaction do you see between the farmers? Do they tell you frequently, you know, my friend so and so referred me or my friend does this or, or is it mostly like individual and are they afraid of competition? Um, I mean, I, th- I think I think overall there's, there's probably a bigger sense of you know we're we're all farmers together and um, and you know we want to support each other and that's kind of part of the dynamic that that makes we farm work as a whole. Um, you know, we do see a lot of, of farmers recommending we farm to other people, especially in, in places where it's kind of hard to market. That's a really vital tool for us. Um, you know, I think more than anything else, what we try to build in we farm is a feeling of it being owned by the farmers and, and the voice of the farmer rather than you know, some top-down project which is telling them what to do. Uh, and, uh, you know, so that, that whole dynamic of farmers talking to each other is, is really the heart of our brand. This is a really cool project. Very, very interesting. Awesome. Thank you. Yeah, what's, uh, so what's next? What's going to happen over the next year? What big projects are you working on or where, where is this going? Uh, so, I mean, we managed to raise a really great uh, seed investment round so that was, you know, led by True Ventures in Silicon Valley um, a few months ago. You know, we got a uh, personal checks from from like some Nicholas Enstrom and, and Matt Mullenweg, and, and and so we're, you know, really looking to turn WeFarm into well, I mean, we're aiming for for being a global business to to build an ecosystem for small scale agriculture everywhere. Uh, at the moment, we're working on a product called FarmLog, 
um, which helps to build a, I guess, a richer product set for farmers. So, you know, kind of like the things we were talking about earlier, but, you know, rather adjusting a straight question and answer dynamic of starting to help farmers manage their farms, um, you know, maybe use machine learning to take a question that a farmer has asked us on planting carrots and, and provide them with three months of information from, you know, planting the seed in the ground to selling it at market and helping them do every part of that, uh, et cetera, et cetera. So, you know, that's that's the kind of functionality we're working at the moment. Um, uh, and I think what's next for us is, is really looking at how we can expand WeFarm to farmers globally. Um, we should have our millionth uh, user on the system in the next uh, sort of four to six weeks. And, and for there, you know, we want to obviously expand it to 10 million over the next year to, you know, maybe looking at countries like India, um, where there's 100 million small farms um, and, and different parts of Africa. How many farms are there globally, small ones? Uh, about 500 million, uh, which means probably one and a half to two billion people living and working on them. So, you know, I think uh, by a, a lot of a lot of metrics, you could probably call it the biggest industry on earth. Huh. Have you, do you get uh, like, you know, feedback from the farmers or testimonials, stuff like that? Like, have you seen, you know, ones that are on your system for a while? Do they really improve their lot in life or? Yeah, absolutely. We um we actually have a feedback uh, function on the system where you know any farmer can set his feedback for free at any point, and that actually uh it pipes directly into our Slack um for all the staff in the office. So you know everybody everybody gets a constant stream of 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 uh, you know feedback from the farmers. You know both obviously constructive stuff and, and things that people aren't happy with inevitably, but also a lot of a lot of testimonials and farmers that tell us uh you know how much they they love what we're doing and that that's. You know, I think for our staff, especially those that are based in, in London, um, you know, that's that's really powerful stuff. I mean, I've got one right in front of me here that was sent by by a farmer this morning that says, you know, we farm has been a blessing to me as a farmer. Uh, I have a member which has improved my farming activity by teaching me new tactics of how I can boost my production. It helps me to find market uh, for selling of my goods and services uh, and sends information on what produce uh, we can farm. Uh, thanks to We Farm. Above all, we see thanks because they are understanding um, and they make it a free service. <laughs> it must be weird to sit in an office in London and be essentially texting the people like in the middle of nowhere in, in African countries. It's crazy, you know. Yeah, I mean, well, we have we have offices, so we are we have a kind of central office in London where most of our kind of tech and data science team uh, is, you know, some sort of senior management, and then we have uh, offices in Nairobi and Kampala. Uh, they deal with most of our kind of farmer to farmer or, or farmer facing uh, side of the oh, business, okay. you know, marketing or agricultural specialism. So, you know, we're definitely not sitting in London purely and then building a product for people in Africa. You know, we have teams on the ground there. Um, a lot of our team, uh, you know, that that inform that product, you know, talk to farmers and work with them on, on a daily basis. So, you know, we're 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 a pretty international business. Yeah. But you know, in, in terms of Access to to you know some of the data science talent that that we need, some of the commercial clients that we want to work with, and, and definitely when it comes to access to the the venture capital investment that we need to to build the business, you know that that kind of is is, is you know exponentially easier in the Western world, uh, which is why we we have a central office in London. Well, with all this knowledge you're getting, what about hobbyists in the you know first world countries that want to get help? You know, let's say I'm growing tomatoes or something in my backyard. I mean, I know it's not for me normally, but you're getting a lot of great knowledge, so you can help me. And I don't want to just sit yeah, there and yeah. watch YouTube videos, and maybe I'd pay for it. You know? <laughs> yeah, no, definitely. I mean, it's it's an idea that's come up a few times. We've had a, a number of requests from farmers and, and as you say, hobbyists in, in the Western world to 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 use it. I mean, it's it's definitely a possibility for us. I, I think you know, like most small startups, 
focus is really key for us. Mm. There's so many things that we could do and, and, you know, really focusing on what we absolutely have to do over the next 12 months to keep, to keep building the business and keep, keep, you know, hitting the metrics that we need to do and, and, and make sure that we become, you know, a business that is able to probably put more time into those things. So, you know, I think that's probably a couple of years down the line for us, but it's definitely on the radar. Cool. So how can listeners uh, find out or get involved or recommend WeFarm or, or contact you? Um, so, yeah, I mean, we, we have a, a website at, you know, www.wefarm.org. Um, we're hopefully going to launch a new website in the next couple of weeks, but, but feel free to, to visit it anyway. And um, there's a contact us uh, email on, the, on there. And, you know, we're very happy to hear from, from anybody, and no matter what they want to tell us or, or get involved in. Um, so definitely encourage people to check that out. Uh, we're also at WeFarm on Twitter. Oh, very cool. Well, Kenny, this is a really cool project and uh, you're doing some great work. So thanks for taking the time. No, thank you. I really appreciate it. And uh, yeah, great. Thank you. Okay. Well, I'll uh, I'll get this edited. It'll take about a week, and then um, you know we'll get a post of it links, and I'll I'll send it to you. But uh, yeah, definitely. Like I said, a really really cool concept. It's amazing. You know. Thanks. Yeah. Thank you. I Appreciate it. Is, was that okay? Is that what you needed, or yeah, that was great. That was great. I hope I asked good questions and uh, very unique business. You know. So. Definitely. All right, awesome. Thank you. Appreciate the time, and just let us know if you need anything else from from our side. Yeah, last question: if if you know of any companies or initiatives that are uh, you think it'd be really interesting to interview, you know, we always look to do uh, a series. So if you know anyone that's in farming or in uh, environmental stuff or big data AI, uh, you can recommend that one or two referrals. If you think of them by email, that would be great. Yeah, no worries. Let me let me take some time just to think about that. I can. Uh, obviously, not some pretty cool startups. Nobody, nobody necessarily in agriculture. But uh, let me give it some thought, and I'll I'll pass on you know a few recommendations across different sectors, and you can choose what you want to follow up. Okay. All right. Cheers, Tony. Thank you. Take care. Awesome. You too. Cheers. Bye. Bye. This podcast is brought to you by FanChain, introducing the first cryptocurrency for the global sports market. Learn more at FanChain.com. You've been listening to Almost Here, Around the Corner Future Technology Podcast with Richard Jacobs. Subscribe to this podcast, post a review, to discover more future technologies that are poised to transform our lives for better or worse, such as Bitcoin, artificial intelligence, 3D printing, blockchain, virtual reality, and more.